Welcome to Welcome to the Hallwell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 5 of Charmed. Sight Unseen. Shouldn't this have been the one with the sight-stealing guys? I, yeah. I know we can't. The Grimlocks. Get, yeah. Yeah. Especially because they came back last episode. I know. What was that episode called? All right, now I have to look it up or it's going to bother me. I know we can't get hung up. I say this every episode. We can't get hung up on the titles of episodes. Do things even have titles anymore? Episodes of TV shows? Oh, uh, they totally do, but they're... Actually, I guess that would have become more important in the streaming age, huh? Yeah. So, uh, one of the things I think is really great, The Good Fight, the spinoff from The Good Wife, mm-hmm. every season they take a different naming convention. So, one season all of their episodes were Friends episodes, so it was like The One With. Uh, and then the next season they were all It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episodes, so it was, you know, The Gang, whatever. <laughs> That's cute. You know, uh, Invincible's trade volumes were actually named after uh, 80s sitcoms. Oh, I didn't realize that. Wait. Like, I think the first one was Father Knows Best. Or not 80s sitcoms, but like sitcoms in general. That's so interesting. Um, the Grimlocks episode was called Out of Sight, so. Uh, okay. It's, it's a fine episode title. I don't super get this episode title. I mean... I guess, oh, duh, the guy's invisible. Yeah, I, then, I honestly, I forget about the main plot every time because I feel like the subplot is so much stronger in this episode. Actually, no, this is uh, one of the things, I really liked this episode. I, this is two episodes in a row that I thought were really good. Mm. But not only is the guy invisible and they have to figure out a way to fight him while invisible, then Prue gets temporarily blinded and has to fight the human enemy while blinded. Mm. So it's it all works, like, on every level. I'm just saying, would you consider, I I feel like the demon plot is kind of supposed to be more of the main plot. Like, the stalker plot is like a B-plot that suddenly takes prominence in the last act. Well, I feel like I wouldn't split them into A-plot and B-plot, because I think the theme of this episode is not all enemies i don't i don't know enemy isn't the word i want but you know not everything that we face is going to be a demon not all threats are yeah not all threats are demons and given that that's the case i like that it was a single white female style stalker with abby and not um a guy because that would have been kind of cliche yeah also I also do really like this episode. This is sort of the start to a really interesting direction. I feel like Prue never entirely goes down. Where we're starting to see sort of a more paranoid Prue. Mm. And this will follow the rest of the Cole stuff because Prue is never entirely comfortable with Cole, understandably. Right, I mean, to be fair, he is a demon who will eventually become the source of all evil. But I do kind of like this as an extension of her older sister protective thing, bringing her to this very neurotic on edge. Because they, they've been, people have been trying to murder them for basically three years at this point. I feel like this is kind of a logical direction for Prue to go in, especially since she's not really getting other consistent plots anymore. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I, I don't know, though. Her it, it makes sense the way you put it. But I always felt like Piper should be the one who got the paranoia, because she's the one who was never really comfortable as a witch. Mm. And never really will be comfortable as a witch, honestly. So this episode was written by William Schmidt. 
All right. This is the first Charmed episode he's written. He's going to write a couple more. And it was directed by Perry Lang, who only has ever directed this episode of Charmed. That's it. Wow. Although he also directed, like, Dawson's Creek and Everwood. So, you know. That God, kind of... Everwood. <laughs> right. Okay, so when I was younger, my neighbor hired me to babysit her son, who was, like, I think two years younger than me. So it was very awkward. Oh, yeah. And one of the things she was like, okay, so, you know, you feed him at X, and then you sit down and you watch an episode of Everwood with him. And then you discuss the lesson, and I was just like... Oh, my God. And the kid was not happy. He was, like, 12, and I was, like, 14. He was not happy to have me being there, so I was like... To be fair, 12 and 14 is a big age. Like, like a lot... You do a lot of maturing between 12 and 14. But yeah. Yeah. Also, I was friends with his older brother, so it was just a big, awkward situation. But I was like, do you want to not watch Everwood and not talk about... It? Well, then what happened later when his mom got home and quizzed him about the lesson? Well, I was never hired to babysit him again, which is good, which is what I wanted. But, yeah. Oh. I, I, I don't remember who I heard this story from, like, I don't know, on an interview or podcast or something. But it was a television writer who was talking about how they wrote a script, a spec script for Facts of Life. Mm-hmm. And when they went in to, like, pitch it, the producers of facts of life or the head writer or whoever was like okay but what's the fact and the writer was like i'm sorry what and the producer was like yeah every facts of life episode has a fact it's based around a fact and this writer was like i have no words god so everyone was like about this guy who had a beard and he like he used to be a big city something, and then he moved his kid out to the country, right? I've never seen a single episode of Everwood. I don't know what it's about, but in my head it kind of fits in the same slot as... Uh... Heart of Dixie. No, no, no. Uh, Seventh Heaven. Uh. Where it's kind of that, like... I, mean, I know Pure Flix wasn't a thing yet, but the Pure Flix version of a CW show. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that was a big, like quasi-morality play, slightly right-wing-flavored, you know, subgenre of TV. I, I, I feel like it was one of those things, because all of those have a country folk or, you know, suburb folk are better. Right, the real America. The real America. So I kind of assumed that the bearded guy lived in a city. I think he, he was, like, widowed, widowered, I have no information about this show. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I remember seeing, not previews, but like Chirons for it a lot. (laughs) So just vague ideas. Anyway, Charmed. Yes. Okay, so this episode starts off in P3. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Prue's date is waiting for her, and he's been- Sean. Sean. And he's been waiting for a while. Is it just me, or is Sean a lot younger than Prue? Sean looks like he might be a lot younger than Prue. <laughs> okay, that's... I know what you're doing, but Prue is actually a lot younger than uh, other people. Mm. So I think it's age-appropriate. But yes, 30-something... I know, she's late 20-something Prue is uh, late for her date with early 20-something Sean. Yes. Do you think he spells it like the American way? That always bothered me. It's yeah. He spells it S-E-A-N. Oh, the good way. I mean, according to the uh, 
Closed captions. Yeah. Okay. Not a big H-A-W-N fan. No offense to the people who are named like that. It, it just, it struck me as like one of those sort of misspellings on purpose. I guess it's a permutation of the version that has a U instead of a W. But S-H-A-W-N is, it, that's the way it's pronounced. Yeah. It makes sense that you would Americanize it to the way it's pronounced as opposed to keeping the, the Irish spelling. I just like the Irish spelling better. But, yeah, Piper and Phoebe are talking about how Prue super needs to get laid. And speaking of getting laid, Piper hasn't gotten laid lately because every time she and Leo start to have sex, the elders orb him away. Yeah, and uh, Phoebe's like, are you sure it's not just a coincidence? And Piper's like, I don't care if it's a coincidence. I don't think it is one, but it needs to stop whatever's going on here. Also, she can't really get into the mood anymore because she's like, they're watching us and they're going to orb you away as soon as we get started. I cannot do this. Well, they're always watching you. This isn't different than any point in your life, except now you're aware of it. Yeah, I guess. And I guess they're actively interfering more. But, like, the elders are always watching you. And a lot of people are, actually. Because you've got, like, the elders, the seer, uh... I'm assuming there's a bunch of evil soothsayers or whoever have got their eyes on you. Oh, God, who else? Probably the cleaners. They probably need to be aware of stuff, right? Yeah, probably. Just, if you're in a mystical world, there's probably a lot of people watching you have sex. Ghosts on invisible mode? I mean, I know witches can see ghosts, but probably more experienced ghosts can go more invisible. Yeah, I mean, ghosts are always watching you have sex. That's just a fact. Yeah. Yeah. It's like living in the X-Mansion where you're like... How does anyone ever have sex here? Like, every other person's a telepath. There's at least three kids who can see through walls. Like, it's the least private place on Earth. That is frightening. Yeah. Oof. Wolverine's got... Every other person has super senses, too. Every every person... Every other person's a telepath, and every other other person has super senses. Well, I mean, to, uh, to go back to our other podcast, on Farscape, uh... Pilot is watching you all the time and sometimes recording you and showing it to other people. God. It's a lack of privacy just kind of a given in any supernatural situation. Like Privacy, I think, is just rarer than uh, we usually think of it as being. God, I mean, this isn't a problem for Piper, but also Phoebe ends up linking on psychic wavelengths with a few other people over the course of the show, so... You have to imagine if you're sensitive to that sort of thing. Anytime a psychic in the Bay Area has an orgasm, Phoebe Hallwell's probably aware of it. Oh my. Oh my. God, not even getting into her empathy power later. Anyway, Piper decides she's going to call Prue and be like, where the hell are you? At least one person in this family needs to be getting laid. Okay, so she calls Prue and she says, you know, he's been waiting here for you for an hour. And... Just a second ago, before she made the call, Abby, the bartender, said that she didn't want to give him another drink because he was already pretty wasted. Because they've been giving him free drinks to try to keep him there, I guess. An hour? An hour is fast to get super wasted. I mean, was he just, like, throwing them back? I guess. We don't know what kind of drink she was giving him. Shots. I guess. 
anyway, the reason Prue isn't there is because she got distracted looking up demon stuff. And also Micah, that hot guy from last week. Yes, she was tracking Micah's ancestry to see if he might have anything to do with the triad. The very, very big, very serious, very real threat that's always been the big threat the entire show. It's always been the triad. Yep. I like how they kind of introduced the source first and then they needed to backpedal on that. They're like... Yes, the source of all evil exists, but the triad. Also, I like that they brought back the like the cute ancestor of the guy who helped out their ancestor. Ancestor going different directions there. Wait, they brought the descendant. The descendant of the guy that helped out their ancestor. I like how they played it like, oh, she maybe she's gonna hook up with the modern version of the guy that she flirted with in the past. But it turned out she was just pumping him for demon information. Well, I mean, it is weird that they brought him in and then we just never see him again. When did she meet Sean even? Who knows? But yeah, she's like, no, I I need to find out. There's all of these threats that are consolidating around us and we need to. What what about that demon that looked like Darth Maul? Remember? Right, right. Balthazar. And Piper and Phoebe kind of gossip about Prue after they get off the phone. And they talk about how she has this one-track demon mind lately. Piper says, when does a one-track mind turn into an obsession? And Phoebe says, when you start blowing off guys like Sean. So, uh, you heard it here from Phoebe. Whatever you're doing, you're doing it too much if you stop thinking about boys. God. Uh. Yep. Why isn't Sean just the guy from last episode? Could they not get that actor back? Wouldn't that have made more sense? Well, I don't think it actually would have made sense for Prue to blow that guy off if what she's obsessed with is tracking down their own family history and stuff. Hmm. I don't know. I I feel like maybe we should have established Sean before this. Well, yeah, but... It, it feels weird that she was like, oh, it looked like she was getting all flirty with that guy, but no, it turns out she just wanted him for research, and she actually, at some point, agreed to date Sean. Well, to be fair to the episode, I said that I liked that they didn't go with the cliche of, you know, a creepy human dude stalking you, but they did need a creepy dude red herring. I mean, he's not creepy, but they needed the dude red herring hmm. to be stalking her. Like when they thought neighbor Dan might be a warlock. Yeah, exactly. Or um, Lachlan Monroe's character. Technically Lachlan Monroe's character's twin brother. Jack? Jack. Jack Sheridan. So Prue gets home and... Someone... Their place has been very lightly ransacked. Well, all of the mirrors have been broken. That's the creepy part. Mm. I guess it's not really lightly... Uh... Yeah, once you break in a mirror, it's... And some of those mirrors are really old looking. Yeah. God, the upkeep... You think Leo can heal those mirrors? Is this violence uh, born of evil or whatever? Um, you know, I'm not sure if the demon... Yeah, no, okay, I guess the demon is the one that smashed the mirrors, not Abby. So, yeah, Leo can probably heal them. Yeah, because Abby's at the club right now. Right. Abby's very conspicuous. Wait, no, that is Abby, though. Like, we just saw her at the club, but we know that's Abby because Prue gets attacked by a figure and telekinetically throws the figure out the window. Uh-huh. And we know that's Abby because Abby talks about it later when, you know, she's like, how did you do that? 
oh, okay. I thought she was, she says, how did you throw me? But I thought she meant when she grabs her in the basement. I thought, I thought Prue used telekinesis on her in the basement when she first grabs her. No, no, I think this is supposed to be Abby. Oh, okay. I guess she said she was going to go look for Prue. I guess no, she just she drew. Didn't. She didn't. Okay, I don't know, but I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility that over the course of that phone call, Abby just booked it out of the. Uh... Well, I guess if she heard that Prue was going to go home mm-hmm. instead of coming to the club to meet up with Sean, and she knew that the sisters, the other sisters, were at the at P three, she might have thought, "Oh, now I have an opportunity to go." Get her while she's alone. Smash the mirrors real quick. and It seems like a lot to do in a very short amount of time, but... Eh, she has that she single has that white ob- female energy. Yeah, she has that obsession focus. <laughs> because the, uh, the subplot for this episode is that obsession is bad. You know what we don't get? We don't get like 10,000 years of establishing shots of San Francisco in this episode. It's true. Well, there's a lot happening in this episode. We have to come right back to the manor. Honestly, the writing on this episode is so tight. It really is. It's, yeah. Like, What's-His-Face came out strong. William Schmidt. Yeah, it's a shame he he didn't write more episodes. So, back at the manor. Yeah, we come back to a lot of continuity. Yeah, the, yeah. Maybe since this was his first time writing on the show, he was like, I better show that I know what I'm doing and I know the continuity, even though, you know. Yeah. No one else cares. (laughs) So, they're trying to figure out what demon could have possibly done this if this was a demon. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, Piper talks about the mirrors being smashed, but the only demon they, uh, knew that used mirrors was Callie. Mm -hmm. Which is a reference to probably the strongest episode in the first season, The Fourth Sister. And they say, but Callie is, has been vanquished, and then... Prue reminds them that the Grimlocks were vanquished too and they still came back last week. Continuity. Also, uh, like, come on, you think Callie's the only one who used mirrors? That has to be so many demons gimmicks. Okay, I'm so glad you said that because I want to talk about mirrors. Okay. Um, okay. Prue says that mirrors are portals that evil comes through. And, okay, number one, no. What? No. Number two, then why do you even have mirrors? And and number three, okay, you do you know why vampires don't reflect in mirrors? Because they don't have souls. Uh, because mirrors traditionally, like a good expensive mirror, uh, had silver. In yeah, the back. it was it was silver with glass in front of it. So, you know the the purity of the silver is why a vampire's reflection doesn't show. Mm-hmm. But silver is, you know, in folklore, used against a lot of evil things. It's true. So, no, Prue, mirrors are not portals through which evil comes. <laughs> but, okay, whatever. Oh, but it's a good gimmick. I I would think about doing mirrors as my thing if I were a demon. Oh, yeah, totally. Also, demons should have more focal stuff. Like, it feels like a lot of demons are kind of all over the map. Right, why don't... Why don't demons use talismans more? Anyway, Daryl is there, and there are fingerprints in the house. So, oh, I guess this was Abby. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because as they point out, demons don't have fingerprints. 
No, no, but we'll know later that the that we'll know later that the fingerprints are Abby's. Eventually, we'll get that information. But uh, no, actually, no, no, they, they Phoebe says though. a lot of demons don't have fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, maybe in other shows, but come on, we're at the point where demons are just people now. Yeah, Daryl asked them to put together a grudge list because he's banging the drum this week that this might be a human thing thing he, he points out he's like you don't like have a security system or lock your front door and they're like yeah warlocks don't you know care about locked doors and he's like but you still live in like a people city where people are and those people sometimes commit crimes just because there are supernatural forces trying to kill you doesn't mean normal human crime won't happen to you also daryl doesn't say this but just because you're a witch who can fend off an attacker who's human doesn't mean that someone's not going to walk in while you're all at P3 and take your television. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're still very vulnerable to human crime. Also, Daryl is shocked that although Prue doesn't care about locking the front door, she always locks the attic door. Hmm. But that actually makes sense. The Book yeah. of Shadows. Although the Book of Shadows is basically the only possession in their house that can protect itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a demon could just break into your house since very easily since you're not locking the front door at, or they can teleport in as we see throughout the course of the show. Right. I, I know it's it's a weak I know it's a weak spot in, you know, the narrative overall that they don't ever put wards up. I but... was going to say, yeah, Prue, you're not locking your front door, but maybe some magical protection around your house? Because really there's nothing to stop a demon from teleporting into the charmed manor at like three in the morning and just fireballing them all while they're asleep in their beds i would hope that phoebe's power would wake her up if that was about to happen mm. so prue calls for leo and is like hey leo tell us about the triad and i'm like wait this is the first time you've asked leo about the triad yeah i thought it came up before this but i'm sure I, it has yeah and okay i'm gonna hate it later but Piper and Leo are actually really cute in this scene. They're like, hey. 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 Meanwhile in hell. Meanwhile in hell, the triad has called on Balthazar because he is taking too long. And he's like, hey. Not to like. I, I don't want what I'm saying to be interpreted as slut shaming. Okay. But he's like, it takes a long time to get Phoebe to have sex with me. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and, and, and I mean, like. If it's Julian McMahon, I'm not waiting a month. So, <laughs> no no shade to Phoebe, but really, Cole, it's taking you a month? He points out, quite rightly, that every other demon these guys have sent up against the Charmed Ones has been blown to smithereens. So he's, you know, taking his time. He's, you know, figuring out the best way to kill them. He's, you know, putting in the legwork so he doesn't... I'm trying to think of a nicer way to say blow his load too early. Like, get killed by the charmed ones. He doesn't want to be vanquished. Like, why Why are they like, you're not killing them fast enough, God. Like, it's not like he's procrastinating. He's, you know, figuring out their weaknesses. He's. It's going pretty slow. It is going pretty slow, but like... And the triad, okay, the triad is not taking as an excuse everyone else you've sent has died because the triad's position is 
you have all of the intel gathered from all of the previous failed attempts, so you should be going even faster. Also, they're sending uh, another guy because they're like, yeah, we're we're sending another guy to get it done. Which, just do that then. Like, it's not like you're going to run out of demons. Like, just keep sending guys. I mean, that is, that, that is what they're doing. Yeah. Also, uh, they tell Cole that there is something of his that they have. And if he wants to get it from them then he needs to be the one to take out the Charmed Ones. But they are going to start sending other people after the Charmed Ones. Yeah, they're not going to honor their deal with him if someone else takes out the Charmed Ones. Cool backstory. Do you think he'd get part of it? it by the way, I'm pretty sure it's his it's his dad's soul, right? I thought it was his mom's soul. I thought he was like human dad, demon mom. It, I, I thought it was be... the reverse. But he's half human and it's the human parent's soul. That's, that's what it is. Also... Should demons really be able to take people's souls? I mean, did he sell it? Is Was that the... I, I... Well, based on the play The Devil and Daniel Webster, mm-hmm. we can assume that the human parent gave their soul to the demon parent. Oh. Yeah. Oh. A thing that that you, Max, and you, our, our listener, might know from the Simpsons <laughs> Treehouse, Treehouse of, of Horror. Horror take on it. Yes. Yeah. The devil and Homer Simpson. Mm-hmm. Soul belonged to Marge. Yep. But, okay. Okay, so I really like this bit of continuity with Cole. I think it gets mentioned maybe like two or three more times before getting super dropped. Uh-huh. Because Cole never recovers his whichever parent's soul. Like... Well, he gets distracted, and then he gets sent to super hell. But he kills the triad at one point. Like, before getting sent to super hell, he kills the triad. He does kill the triad. Spoilers. Yeah, Cole is the one, (laughs) which I feel like speaks really poorly to the triad. I feel, I mean, Cole's an upper-level demon, but aren't they supposed to be, like... I thought you were going to say it speaks poorly to the charmed ones that, uh... That Cole just shimmered into their throne room and was like fireball 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 done lightning bolt <laughs> lightning bolt i mean i guess he i think he also had leo there but leo was like a cheerleader he was he was doing the bard thing he was providing inspiration for for cole go cole blow those guys up i'm excited to talk about that it feels like leo and cole are kind of more effective than the charmed ones all of the time I'm I'm down for a buddy comedy with Leo and Cole. Kind of like Good Omens. Yeah. With Azrafael and Crowley. Except less sexual. I, I'm sorry. I don't think Cole would ever have sex with Leo. It's true. That's true. I'm sure Leo would be up for it, but I, I don't think Cole Again, would. Again, Julian McMahon. And... and Remember, after shaking Leo's hand, he had to wipe off the white lighter oh, crap right. his I pants. forgot about that! Oh, yeah, he was like, oh, gross, white lighter. Anyway, the... Uh, Whereas tra- we know that Leo likes a little evil. Because yeah, he's married to Piper. Oh! But, uh, so the triad is, like, look. If you kill the Charmed Ones, you can get the mysterious item we're not mentioning by name, because we're keeping that in our back pocket for now. 
but you will get that if you kill them, but we're going to start sending other guys out. For example, Eyeliner D-Bag. His name is Truxa. Truxa. I like it. Truxa. And I, I know you're calling him Eyeliner D-Bag because that's definitely the look he has, but if you look at his face um, up close, as I did because he's kind of cute, mm-hmm. um, he just has that really thick eyelash thing going on that some guys have where it looks like they have eyeliner yeah yeah it's a hot look but (laughs) i love how the triad set up an intro for this guy like there's smoke and he's like slow motion walking calls like jesus fucking christ or i guess not satan jesus (laughs) fucking satan (laughs) lucifer morning star so we see him walking invisibly through the manor. I mean, we don't see him, but he's moving invisibly through the manor. And he spies for a moment <laughs> on Piper and Leo, who are about to have sex again. And Piper's like, they're not going to interrupt this time. And Leo's like, it was just a coincidence. And then he whips his dick out and immediately gets called by the elders. Not okay. Not okay. <laughs> do you think they had like a mystical Google alert for Leo whipping his dick out? Yes, <laughs> like... I do. No, I think I think it's tied to Piper's arousal because I feel like this is just them being particularly cruel. So whenever Piper gets hot, they're like, all right, time to block that cock. Speaking of particularly cruel, Leo's like, oh, I have to go. But before I do, he and he like, sw- what's it? Dips? Yes, he dips Piper into a kiss and then lays her out on the bed and he's going down on top of her and then orbs out. And I'm like, what a douche move, Leo. Oh, I didn't... No, no, no. I thought that was the elders orbing him away. Oh, no, I assume because he, he said they were... Called... He, he said he was going to ask them about the triad, but no, no, no. I think that was the elders taking him away for something unrelated. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, because he, he said that the elders were calling him. I, I don't think Do you he, think he was, like, ignoring them? And he was yeah, like, I don't think he was in control of the timing of that orb. <laughs> so, up... Because uh, that was... I feel bad for Piper. Like, her engine her engine was revved up there and then... Oh, yeah, I felt so much sympathy for Piper in that moment. <laughs> Oof. So, up in the attic, Prue is doing lots of research. She's got the Book of Shadows. She's got a... A legal pad to take notes on, but she's fallen asleep on a Shea lounge doing this research. And, okay, weird, weird thing that's going to come up a few times in this episode. Mm-hmm. I really like the top that Prue is wearing. Yeah, I feel like they've been kind of glamming up Shannon Doherty the past few episodes. I've mostly been noticing it in her hair. It's like she's got blowouts all the time. That's true. Yeah, her hair has been on point. But also the, okay, so last week was Halloween. Mm -hmm. So we're into November now. And there are a lot of really cute, chunky sweaters in this episode. Mm. And I hear she's wearing like, she's wearing a knit. uh, It's it's a sleeveless sweater, but it's knit. And it's kind of like, okay, it's going to sound terrible when I describe it. But it's kind of a midriff knit top. But I really love it. I think I'm going to make one. Yeah. It looks, it looks really good. I'm kind of surprised. Because, yeah, like you said, it's a lot of stuff that really shouldn't work together. But So, Draza? Troxa. Troxa. Troxa with a T. Troxa. Troxa. Uh, looks at her legal pad. He pulls it out of her sleeping hands. And then 
he picks up a pillow to smother her. Does he not have like fireball powers? I I don't or, know. It it or looks a knife. It looks ridiculous. Like I cannot take it seriously. He lifts up the pillow. I mean, it's invisible, so the pillow flies up towards Prue's face. And she, like, snaps awake, and then she telekinetically throws the pillow across the room. And we see it explode in, like, a bunch of feathers. <laughs> I... I think... I, you know what, to be fair, I don't know that we're supposed to take this particularly seriously. Because one of the things that happens in this episode is everyone thinks that Prue is imagining things because of her obsession with demons. So I think it's like, it had to be silly and ridiculous so that when she comes downstairs, it's not like... Yeah. Which, way to... You've been fighting demons with Prue for like three years. Way to not have her back at all. Right? Also, okay, just a little side note. The cinematography in this episode is really heavily early 2000s horror movie-y. It is. Like, in the sort of, uh, not Scream, but movies trying to be Scream, like, uh, the Urban Legends movies. It feels like it's shot like one of the Urban Legends movies. Yeah, I definitely see that. Did you ever see any of those? Yeah, like, back in the 2000s. Yeah, that was just... They made three of them. So they had to have at least some audience. I can't imagine that now in a streaming world, like anyone choosing to watch the Urban Legends movies. Oh, see, I think the opposite in a streaming world where you can like have a late night where you decide to just turn it on. I think you're more likely to watch it than if you have to like get up and go to a movie theater. I don't know. It just, it feels like... That Fear Street trilogy that Netflix did was pretty popular and that... I haven't, we haven't watched it yet, but I've heard good things about it, and it feels like the kind of horror movies that came out when I was in high school. The whole thing with those kind of movies is it feels like, oh, I want to see Scream, but I can't because it's not in the theaters anymore. I guess I'll watch this movie that's kind of like Scream, and now you can just watch Scream whenever you want. Okay, well, Netflix is totally based on algorithm. Hmm. Like, Netflix's whole thing is... Well, people like this movie, and they like these people, and they like these writers. Let's put them all in a movie together. So, it seems like it's more likely to exist. It's, it seems like the kind of thing where Netflix would be like, oh, people really like Scream. Let's make something that's essentially Scream and offer it on our streaming service. So, Cole is wandering out in the blue fog because, again, this is the aesthetic we have this episode. Yeah, so he came to the manor because he tells... Phoebe, it's because he heard that their house got broken into, but actually it's because the triad just told him they were sending another demon. Mm -hmm. And then he sees the door kind of open and close, and he knows that that's Troxa leaving, so he's like, well, you look okay. I'm gonna head out. (laughs) I did my check, and Prue is coming down the stairs, and she's like, what was that about, Phoebe? Phoebe's like, Cole was just checking in to see if we were okay, and Prue's like, well, I was just attacked in the attic by a pillow. See, I mean, they've been fighting demons with her for three years, but come on. This isn't even the first invisible thing they fought. They couldn't see the ghost, right? Not, they could see the John Cho ghost, but they couldn't see the serial killer ghost, right? Yes. Prue had to be, Prue had to become a ghost to fight him. Yes, that is correct. Is it just me or does Phoebe die the least out of the sisters? I think that is right. Yes. Anyway, so Cole goes outside and Troxa attacks him because Cole can't see him either. Mm. 
And he attacks him by grabbing him by the throat and pushing him against a wall. And speaking of, like, sexual subtext between Teatmans. Oh, yeah. I have not explored the charmed fandom stuff much, but I have to imagine this would have been a big thing. I wrote in my notes, now kiss! Well, because it's all very uh, Phoebe's past life with that warlock. You know, where she uh, she thought a ghost was attacking her, but it was really just oh, her yeah. mm-hmm. picking up on the vibrations of her past life having rough sex with a guy in the house. Oh my god, there is no privacy at all in a magical world. Right? Even your ancestors, like, years later. Oh, right, because they had that weird thing where your past lives were also people you were related to. Yes, that is correct. That doesn't ever come back, right? Like, because that was dumb. so. But, yeah, the Cole has a threatening, sexy conversation with Troxa. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the the thing is, their faces are very close together when they're threatening each other. Yeah, Troxa's got them all pressed up against the wall, and he's like, you're not going to be able to stop me. You're just going to have to sit back and watch. And... Now, he does, he does mention, apparently they faced each other before, and uh, Balthazar has never been able to defeat him before, so... Which really, I feel like Balthazar could probably. I mean, honestly, like, slight spoilers for what's going to happen later in this episode. He spends, like, 30 seconds figuring out how to beat him and then beats him. Yeah, I feel like this rivalry might have been a little more uh, one-sided than Troxa thinks it was. Yeah. Troxa's is like, you're my nemesis, but I'm not yours. No, it, it's that meme with uh, Jonah from Superstore and John Hamm in Mad Men. You know, the... I don't think of you at all. Ah, uh, yeah. I was thinking more of, like, the Joker and Batman in the Lego Batman movie. Yeah. So, Phoebe pokes her head out, and she's like, You okay, Cole? You're all slammed against the wall and ruffled sexfully. And he's like, Yeah, I was just checking your outside wall strength. I have to go now. <laughs> yes. Cole is not convincing in this episode, but luckily for him, the Charmed Ones are very, very stupid. They're just completely unobservant. The next morning, Phoebe and Piper are talking about, should should we get a therapist for Prue? She's obsessed with the idea that a demon is trying to attack her. What? What? I know. I know. So Prue says that when Prue comes down, she says that their grandmother's necklace is missing. And so is her lucky blouse. Her lucky fuchsia paisley blouse. And okay, Prue. I think the good luck... <laughs> Is that someone took it? I was just thinking about a line from from Spaced, mm-hmm. where uh, the neighbor comes in and he's like, what do you think of this outfit? Should I lose the jacket? And Simon Pegg is like, well, the thing about losing it is, you might find it again. I think you should burn it. I'm kind of surprised. I, I guess Grams' ghost was busy with other things, ghost stuff, but... I'm just saying, if go- if Grimes' ghost was paying attention, we would not have the end of this episode because Abby would be dead. Grimes' ghost was off having ghost sex because the only time you could have privacy for sex is after you're dead in the Charmed universe. It's true. Grimes talked about being beyond the elders, which... Yeah, there you go. Also, also, Abby is so lucky that that's not one of the enchanted items Grimes just left lying around. Like the wedding ring that turns you into a 50s sitcom wife, or the go-go boots that send you back in time. (laughs) 
Oh, man. It feels kind of like a lot of Grimm's mystical items were just fucking with them. What is the point of that ring, Grams? It was to remind her of why she never wants to be married again. So she'd like put it on and just be a sitcom wife and then she'd take it off and be like, I didn't enjoy that at all. Yes. Okay. Wow. (laughs) So Leo comes back and he's like, okay, so I swear it's just a coincidence, Piper. They are definitely not watching us have sex and also they don't know anything about the triad. Really? On all of it. On all of it, really. They're not watching you have sex, and really, they don't know anything about the triad? I mean, I guess, are the triad just, like, middle managers? Or are they like, oh, they're they're beneath us. They're above you, but they're beneath us. Yeah, I think that's the deal. I we got... know, like, we could tell you some shit about the source, <laughs> but the triad, <laughs> So, I love this. Prue gives Phoebe and Piper gifts to keep them safe and this is like real real um flashes of the buffy episode which hasn't happened yet where buffy gives dawn something to keep her safe yeah and it's a cell phone so she gives them something to keep them safe and it's sneakers because running around in high heels is ridiculous yeah because they're always caught off guard like in the first grimlocks episode where Prue is trying to trace uh chase the grimlock down that stole that kid and she, yeah. she lost him because she was wearing a tube top and like platform shoes which are not the best you know for running despite what jurassic world may have told you it kind of actually reminds me of an episode of todd in the book of pure evil Uh uh-huh which is uh, i've talked about it before but just a little brief summary it's this uh, canadian horror comedy about uh this town that was founded by satanists and it's about the kids in that town and there's this uh there's this book, The Book of Pure Evil, that was written by Satan, and it does this kind of ironic genie thing where it grants wishes to whoever reads it, but they always end up going horribly wrong for everyone. Right. And uh, there's there's a book sighting, and they're they're about to chase after it when one of the members of their gang, because there's like four kids who are trying to stop the book, and one of them is like, wait, can we change? Because I feel like we're never in good outfits for this sort of thing, and like I really like this shirt, and I don't want to get blood on it. And they're, they're like, no, we it's an emergency. Actually, you know what? Yeah. And then they're all just wearing their gym clothes for the rest of the episode. That's awesome. Yes, I like that. We should watch... A, did we watch an episode? Did I show you an episode? You showed me it? an episode, yeah. Yeah. I, I think you might like some episodes of it. It was like an early 2000s comedy, so there's... Yeah. They're like the, uh, the, the gay episode, which isn't as offensive as you... Not quite as bad as you could have been. Yeah, uh, 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 kids getting picked on for being gay, and he finds uh, the you know the book of pure evil comes to him, and he uh, he reads the spell to make everyone in the school gay. So but then they, it makes him straight, right? It makes him straight. I. Anyway. <laughs> well, it, he turns every boy in the school gay, but it turns him straight, and he ends up being torn apart by. Uh, angry horny women speaking of buffy like the locket episode of buffy yeah so back in charmed daryl has shown up and he ran the fingerprints but they aren't in the system so now he wants them to make a human grudge list not a demon grudge list because they they gave him a list and it's in continuity you know it's javna and you know 
does Callie get an out again? It's a bunch of, you know, mm-hmm. they're old foes. Okay, here's a, like, weird question, but if someone came to you and was like, make a list of all of the humans who have a grudge against you, would you, like, have a list ready? Because they give him a list with several pages. I mean, people aren't normally trying to kill me, so no. I can think of a couple people off the top of my head. I don't think that they would be after me, you know, in general, but, like... If I had to come up with people who might be after me, I can think of, like, two. Mm-hmm. But they're probably not. I mean, the thing is, and the reason the grudge list doesn't really work here, is that people are all different, right? You don't know what is going to affect one person versus another person. So, like, the person who's after you isn't the person who you have offended the most, objectively speaking. Although, if I were Prue, I would probably assume it was, you know, Jack Sheridan. Oh, well, so the reason I brought that up is because they're like, hey, what about Sean? Maybe Sean is the one who's doing this because you blew him off twice. Mm. And she's like, that's not a big deal. And Daryl's like, well, you don't know what's going to set a person off. Yeah, because you, you never know who you can suspect. Maybe someone who was recently established so she would feel like enough of the cast for this to be a twist when she's a villain at the end, you know? Yeah, there you go. So, we go to Cole's law office. It's the courthouse, because he's the DA. Yes. Where an invisible person is walking down the hallway, shoving people out of his way, which, if you're invisible, feels like a bad way to stay invisible. He feels... He feels... Untouchable, because nobody can see him. Then he opens the door to Cole's office, walks in, and picks up a letter opener to stab him with, like he wouldn't have noticed that the door was opened. (laughs) Well, and then Cole turns around because he is, like, standing at his window contemplatively, and he spins around, and it turns out he was holding a fire extinguisher, which he sprays at Troxa because Troxa turns visible when he becomes cold. And Cole points out that since he's a demon and demons can't feel things... Well, Troxa can't, so maybe some demons can. Yeah. Well, even that's kind of called into question. He gets tortured later, but... Yeah. Yeah, the Charisma Carpenter demon mentioned it too, and it's like, that's a really rarely enforced thing. But yes, since demons can't feel, he... He He doesn't even know when it's cold enough for him to be visible. Yeah. I like how Cole spent, like, half a day thinking about this and was like, oh, that's right, you you don't use your powers when it's cold. Duh. Less than half a day, because, like, that, last night, he the guy was like... You don't know how to defeat me, and it's literally the next morning, so literally 30 seconds Googling this guy. Also, I get it, Jirox is doing this to, like, show off to... The triad. The triad. Trying to kill Cole just seems like a bad idea. Yeah, don't get just... You you need some of Prue's laser focus. Like, focus on getting rid of the charmed ones. Yeah. Like, this is a full brain problem. Yeah. Interesting, by the way, last week on our Farscape podcast, we also had our heroes fighting an invisible person that they had to figure out a way to make visible. All right. Huh. Just a, just a weird little coincidence. I love when our two podcasts line up like that. Yeah. So Prue is at her photo shoot now. She's taking pictures of a Steve Irwin-esque nature guy. Yeah, fake Steve Irwin is what I called him in my notes. And I kind of like this. The way she sets up her photo shoot is she tells him, like, do your show like you would normally do it. Just 
you know, do it towards me like I'm the audience, and then she gets action shots that way. I like that. Yeah. But that means that he's like, hey, check out this snake. Let me show you how we humanely capture snakes with this snake trap. And she's like, wait, a trap? I would have never thought of a trap. God. says some way to get from point A to point B there, Prue. <laughs> but, yeah, she's like, a trap, eh? And Fake Steve Herman's like, yes, traps have many uses, mostly trapping things. Oh. Meanwhile, someone is taking pictures of Prue from the fake bushes that they set up for this photo shoot. Oh, what is this called? So there's a name for the thing that they do next. Mm-hmm. We zoom in on the photographer, and then it cuts to P3, and we're tight on Abby's face. Because mm, we don't see the photographer's face, because they're covered by the camera. Right, but we see Abby because, guess what? Spoiler, it's Abby. <laughs> so... Fifi's asking if Abby has seen Cole, and she describes him as tall, dark, good-looking, a lawyer, and Abby does this, like, weird little hand gesture head bob thing. And Fifi's like, okay, where's Piper? And Abby's like, in the back. Don't know what she's doing back there. Probably not having sex with Leo. And Phoebe walks in on Piper uh, having sex with Leo. Yeah, I hope, uh, hope you're ready for a little Leo beefcake here. Yeah, Leo is shirtless. Yeah. Also, I feel like you can see all of Alyssa Milano's breasts in that top. It's it's a very low-cut top, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't notice until we saw her like, bursting through the door because it's an angle that I don't think that shirt was supposed to be shot at. But but anyway, yes, she's like, ho-ho, don't let me interrupt you. And Piper's like, I think you pretty effectively killed the mood. Piper says, oh, I hate living under such scrutiny. And it's like, oh... Based on our discussion, this podcast. Mm. Also, I mean, you're not living under such scrutiny. You're having sex in the back of a public place. Uh, it's her office. It, she has a reasonable expectation of privacy in her own office. Does she? But Well, apparently not. Yeah. Leo's like, eh, it's okay. They were calling me away anyway. And Piper's like... Just throwing her hands up in the air. I do really like the top Piper's wearing. Again, like, so many clothes I like in this episode. It's a sequin top, but it's... I, and I don't normally like sequin tops, but the sequins are very um, small, and it, it kind of looks like uh, shiny snake scales. I like it. Mm. So, Phoebe gives Piper her list of human... Guys who may be have grudges yeah. yeah it's several pages long because they're all of the guys that she dated while she was in new york hey max <laughs> did you know that phoebe used to live in new york i wonder if clay's on that list i was wondering that too speaking of boob shirts prue comes up to them and she's barely wearing anything it's it's like she basically has a paper towel with a loop around her neck it is a very low cut no backed metallic dress honestly it looks like the metallic dress that rebecca bunch and valencia wear in that first season episode of crazy ex-girlfriend where they become friends she also has an arm ring yeah she's got like an upper arm cuff thing going on it's very uh 
Very Xena. Hmm. So she's like, they're like, wow, Prue, I wasn't expecting to see you here since you're so paranoid about demons attacking you or whatever. And Prue's like, oh, it's okay. I set up a little trap. I this is this is actually a big moment. This is a big first. We'll see a lot of this later in the show. But she set up a crystal circle in the attic, uh, using the book as bait. And now if a demon comes into the house and goes for the book, they'll be trapped in the circle of crystals, and a crystal she's holding will light up to let her know. Yeah, now they won't just be trapped, though. They will be trapped and electrocuted. And Phoebe's like, wait, but what if someone else walks into that circle? And it's like, yeah, they'll be trapped and electrocuted, too. And hey, can't watch 2021! Yeah, she mentions... What if a person or feline, hello, Kit, Kit, watch 2021. Way to still exist, Kit. I think you have officially been relegated to being an off-screen character who they talk about sometimes, but you're still hanging in there. Yeah, so she says, yeah, what if Kit wanders in there? And Prue's like, it's okay, I closed the door so that Kit can't get in. And I'm like, do you know a cat, Prue? I feel like that's not safe. Also, isn't Kit at least vaguely magical i mean i guess they've never really because they Kit ha- is a witch's familiar yeah yeah because they have her have her hissing at demons thing which comes up almost never because that would require them to use the cat and we know she gets turned into a human lady later as a reward for being such a good familiar but she has magical powers right kid uh she's she's magic adjacent mm. So, I love how Prue's, Prue heads over to Sean. She's like, I can finally relax now that I've set up this deadly, deadly trap in our house. And she and Sean are wearing, like, opposite outfits because he's wearing a turtleneck and, you know, a black turtleneck. So he's very somberly fully covered. And she's wearing, like, a glittery postage stamp. That is accurate. Anyway, Sean's like, hey, I like you, but I don't want to play games. And Games drive me crazy. And Prue's like, psycho crazy? And he's like, what? Okay, I will say, though, that people who say that they don't like games, much like people who say they don't like drama, are the ones who play the games. I actually don't like games, but yes. Yeah, but you don't go around saying, hey... I don't like games. It's it's the saying, you know? You're like, oh, okay. Back at the manor, Cole is uh, breaking in, which is a bad idea. Breaking into a witch's house does seem like a bad idea. Luckily for him, the Charmed Ones are just so incompetent. So he breaks in and he turns the thermostat like all the way down to make it super cold in the house and then he opens all the windows he breaks the windows because you know he's still a demon yeah i I like he picks up this really terrible looking lamp and then just like he he casually tosses it and oh no i'm sorry you're right he does open the window i don't know why he breaks the lamp i guess to make it seem like someone came in that window through the window yeah but or maybe he just doesn't like the lamp he, like that, he's like a cat oh i was thinking it's like that american dad where there's the earthquake and then terry's like now's the chance to get rid of those figurines you hate and he like kind of <laughs> swipes them off the table and he's like oh no the figurines your mother gave us <laughs> so cole has opened all the windows and basically he's done he can leave now and everything will be fine but 
He can't resist temptation. He picks up the uh, legal pad that... That that Prue has been, you know, doing her... I guess this is where a Pepe de Silvia board starts. This is like the egg of a Pepe de Silvia board. Yeah, and uh, speaking of continuity, uh, uh, we don't see the whole page, but at least Javna is on there as she's trying to, like, map out... Yeah, because she has the source up top. She's building, like, a demonic flow chart. Yes, and an organizational chart. <laughs> it's got the source. It's got the triad. It's got agent on earth, question mark? Uh-huh, with Cole, by the way, written in. Mm. Mm. Cole, question mark. And then Cole is like, hey, I'm going to go for that book of shadows. Yeah, since I'm here. And he gets knocked out in a very terrible effect. Oh, yeah. They get way better at the lightning stuff later, or at least they find a standard thing for the trap that I guess you just get used to over time. But it it looks really bad here. The trap electrocutes him, and he is unconscious in a steaming pile of crystals. Yeah, we see, though, that the lightning bolt, as terrible as it, like, it's after effects, basically. And so as terrible as it is, we do see, though, that it's, like, wrapped around his neck. So he is electrocuted, but also held in place, presumably. And Prue's crystal starts glowing, and Sean's like, what the fuck is that? And she's like, gotta go! Sorry, Sean! Maybe just don't date right now. I mean, I know there's never a good time for you to date because you're the charmed ones or whatever, but like... Yeah. Stop. But yep, she's got to run back to the house to see what demonic business is going on in the attic see what they've caught in their trap we know wards exist though like i know i know because like magic school is warded against you know mortals and demons and although fat load of good that does later but so when they come home they open the door and we get like a full body shot of all of the girls and i just wanted to point out that they're all wearing club wear and sneakers the sneakers uh... she gave them well done. Although, God knows I can't imagine Prue could run in that dress. I know, right? So, so, so they run up to the attic, and Phoebe's like, oh, Cole, I knew someone innocent would get caught in your trap. And Prue's like, why is he in our house? Yeah, Prue's like, okay, well, it's a demon trap, Phoebe. And he got caught, so... Cole, I, Cole, Cole does not do a good job covering this up. I think he does, because he's like, hey, I was walking by and I saw the door was open because no one ever locks the door, so I came in to make sure that you were all safe. And I I just, I went up to the attic to see if you were safe in the attic, and I just got shocked. And, you know, having a, having a trap like that is like having a loaded shotgun pointed at your door. I could sue you. Okay, wait, so I do, I do want to talk about that he says it's like having a shotgun on a tripwire pointed at your door and the thing that he brings up is a law school hypothetical that's it's like the standard law school hypothetical because you're not allowed to use deadly force in protection of property you can use deadly force to protect um you know a people from harm but not property the thing is if you're there, it's going to be very hard to say that there was no chance of you being harmed. So the law school hypothetical is, okay, so somebody has 
a shotgun on a tripwire behind their door. So if somebody breaks into the house when they're not there, that person gets shot. Mm. So Cole went to law school. Yeah. Just, I, I know we know he's half human, but I just want to, he's not just, he doesn't have fake lawyer credentials. He didn't get his credentials from hell. He went to law school. You think he has to do this every few years or so? Because he, he's like a century old, right? Yeah. Like, Cole is old. He's, he's not, like, actually the Charmed One's age. So, you think he has to just keep faking that? Do you think he goes to law school under different... Maybe he went to law school once, but then he just keeps faking his credentials after that. He has, like, whatever demon is below the one that kills people who finds out about demons. He has whoever's below that guy just goes into uh, the hall of records with whiteout and a pen and just every few years yes exactly <laughs> oh so I, I would kind of want to watch a show about the demons who have to do the minor shit like that just to keep everything under wraps remember the show that only aired for like one season about the people in a superhero universe who, powerless yeah who yeah. work at wayne enterprises but just like are normal people. I would watch a show about just normal people in a supernatural world. Yeah. Powerless was canceled way too fast. Uh, it was such a good show. It was really good. And they went they went pretty obscure. The whole Ron Funch's uh, Atlantis thing. Yes. Oh, that was a great episode. Anyway, Phoebe chases Cole out as you know, as he's leaving the house, she chases him and she's like, "Wait, Cole, I'm so sorry." And he's like, "Hey, it's okay, Phoebe." You're not the one who electrocuted me, so we can still bone later. He storms out of the manor, and Phoebe's really upset, but she notices that there's a uh, a white box with a red ribbon, a giant white box with a red ribbon. It's, Flowers. It's the, yeah, it's the kind of box you deliver roses in, long-stemmed roses. So she picks it up, and she storms into the house, and she's like, Prue, I can't believe you would do that. That was so irresponsible. And your paranoia is going too far. There's no one after you, Prue. There's no one out to get us, Prue. Which, there, you know there is. I know, right? So, the box of roses say that they're from Sean. But when Prue opens it, it is filled with roses, but also it's filled with worms. Yes. And, okay, I have to say... They fight demons. Prue's really freaked out by the worms for someone who fights demons. And they all decide that that must mean that Sean is the demon. Well, guy after them. Um, Phoebe Phoebe says, says, there's your demon, but I think she means... There's your villain. Yeah, I think she's like, look, sometimes ordinary guys are just awful. I know, I lived in New York. (laughs) Piper does actually say, she's like, yeah, sometimes humans are evil too, Prue. Okay, okay. So outside, Troxa comes to fight with uh, Balthazar because... Cole. Right, Cole, because this is his turf. And Cole says, and I love this, he says, cool your jets. Because cooling him off is like a thing. It's very subtle. I love it. So Trucks is like, you're getting all up in my grill, bro. What do you think you were doing? You think you were gonna, you think you were gonna scoop this kill for me? And Cole's like, A, I was after them first, and B, you want to kill them? Go ahead and kill them. Whatever. In fact, 
You might want to go up in the attic and grab their book of shadows. It's only the source of their power. It's definitely not suspicious that I'm telling you that. So, back in the manor, the girls are closing the windows and they're like, why was the air conditioner on? Why would, why would someone do that? I like that they're both wearing sweat, uh, that Phoebe and uh, Piper are both wearing sweatshirts. Yeah, they both put on hoodies over their club clothes, which makes sense because they're cold. And then Leo orbs in with a giant Hershey kiss that is like, hey, Piper. And Piper says, no, Leo, we all have headaches. <sighs> Which has weird implications. So it's a really little thing, but I like that as Leo's orbing in, before we cut to Leo orbing in, we see sort of a blue light reflecting over Piper and Phoebe. Oh, I didn't notice that. It's a really little touch, but I like it. So, Phoebe and Piper are both wearing sweatshirts, but Prue's wearing a sweater. A really cute knit sweater, yeah. Yeah. Big, poofy white one. Like the one uh, Emma was wearing in uh, Once Upon a Time when she was depressed. Yes. Or the one that Buffy was wearing in Buffy. That one time Buffy wore a giant white sweater. (laughs) So, Prue realizes that the mirror is broken. And when she looks over at the broken mirror, she sees the shimmery reflection of Troxa there, because it's so cold. And she uses her telekinesis to throw him across the room, and then she tosses him to where the... He leaps at her. Like, she throws him across the room telekinetically, he leaps at her, and then she flips him into the circle. Yeah, she does, like, an Aikido flip. Yeah, into the circle of crystals, which I guess, you think she reset up... Yeah, she, I think she did. Because I think that's why she was up in the attic. Yeah. And she can turn the, like, electricity on and off with her little crystal. So she's doing that. She's, like, she's essentially torturing him. She's like, who do you work for? And he's like, I'll never tell you. And she does it again. And he's like, I'm Troxa, and I'm working for the Triad. Also, there's another demon after you. His name is Balthazar. Okay. I love that he never bothered to learn Cole's human name. Because yes, the whole thing would have been blown if he had learned Cole's human name, but he didn't. That's so true. I never even thought about that. That's so true. He's like, so just so you know, our weaknesses are... And before he can say anything, the triad, like, flames him back down to hell. I do like that Phoebe's like, wait, can they do that? Can they just suck people down to hell from wherever? Do they know where we live? And Leo's like, I think they just have sort of like a general knowledge of where their guys are. Don't worry about it too much. Of course they know where you live. You're the... What? You're not like being secretive amongst the magical community. Also, I mean, clearly they can't just suck you to hell, Phoebe, or they probably would have done that by now. Right? So they look in the Book of Shadows, they look up Troxa, Mm -hmm. and they see that his weakness is cold, and they realize that somebody set the thermostat low and opened all the windows to protect them. And they're like, wow, do we have another guardian angel besides Leo? And Leo's like, eh? Which I do like because, like, guardian angels, it's stupid, but guardian angels are a separate thing that also exist. So... Leo's not just like, no, it must be something else. He's like, yeah, there are other magical forces of good who don't work directly for me, or for my guys, so I don't know. Maybe there is another angel-esque figure helping you out. Angel is in angels, not as an angel, the guy. 
And I mean, hey, it's not like uh, it's not like the elders keep him in. Seriously, they they could secretly have like four other white lighters just kind of on the clock secretly. Leo wouldn't know about it. They should have. They're the charmed ones. Mm. So Phoebe sees that Prue wrote down that Cole might be the evil agent. She's like, um, so now that you know he's not, you think you might give him a call and tell him you're sorry for thinking he's a demon? And Prue's like, yeah, okay, sure. And she like crosses out his name on the uh, legal pad. And then Phoebe leaves and she's like looking at the legal pad. She's like, although. So everything is all wrapped up in a nice little package. Wait, there's 11 minutes left in the episode. Mm. So Prue goes down into the dark room to develop her Steve Irwin photos. Mm-hmm. And this is such a good setting for a horror thing. Right, because you've got like the red light illuminating everything. And yeah, and also the way that... The way that old school photos, when you put them in the developer fluid and they, like, slowly come into being, that's, that's an eerie thing. Yeah. So, and. I think Drew Barrymore was also wearing a big, uh, big white sweater and scream. I think that's right. Yeah. So, Prue sees that her pictures have been replaced with the pictures that someone was taking of her yeah the stalker pictures so as she develops the photos instead of being fake steve Irwin, it's her it's somebody who's been following her yeah and then abby jumps out from behind her and shoves her face into the developer fluid that can't be good for you okay so i googled this yeah because she's going to be blinded for the rest of the episode and I was like, okay, I don't doubt that developer fluid can do that, but how bad is it for you? So I Googled, you know, developer fluid in eyes. And the internet was like, rinse out your eyes for 20 minutes straight and do not stop and then go immediately to the emergency room. So so Prue probably should have been blind for just the rest of her run on the show then. Basically, yeah. So, I don't know. I guess I'm saying if you if you happen to get developer fluid in your eyes. Oh, duh, Leo. Yeah, no, Leo probably healed her. Yeah, but seriously, go ahead. This was this was technically a fight against evil, right? What was it? I'm sorry, I can't heal when I don't feel like it. Uh, so after Prue is attacked, we cut and we cut to the kitchen the next morning where Piper and Phoebe are getting ready for the day, completely unaware that's, that, that Prue's been tied up in the basement all night. Directly below them. Did they just not say anything... No one wanted to say goodnight to Prue. No one wondered what... They, they, were all, they all left the attic to go off to bed. In I... fact, in fact, Piper even said, like, now that Troxa is defeated, we can all take a breath and get a good night's sleep for once. Mm. So. I actually really like both of uh, Piper and Phoebe's outfits. I love Phoebe's sweater. She's wearing a sweater that's made with, like, self-stripe... Like, a hand-knit sweater that had been made with self-striping yarn, it mm. looks like to me. So. And Piper's just wearing this very... I'm not sure what you would call that. Uh, she's just wearing, like, an olive green. It's It looks like a sheath dress, but I think it's actually two parts. I think it's actually a top and a skirt. Yeah. it's a, it, it looks really good on her. It's a, it's a very simple look, but... Yeah. Uh, they do say that Prue's car is gone, so they just assume she went to the magazine early. Hmm. And anyway, Piper's got to get to the club to meet this week's musical guest act, Marvelous 3. Ooh, I can't believe they actually landed Marvelous 3. I mean, they're no dishwalla. They're fine. Yeah. It's, they, they have a catchy-ish song. Do they? I literally have no idea who they are. But music mm. isn't really my thing. Well, I meant at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So Phoebe decides to call Prue's cell phone. 
And she calls and Abby picks up and is like, hey, uh, I don't have really good reception, but I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I feel like the poor reception is, is carrying a lot of the weight in making Abby sound like Peru. Um, you might be previewing my time freeze. Mm. So Piper and Phoebe leave the house and Abby's like, all right, just you and me now, Prue. She's like smelling salts or something. She runs them under uh, Prue's nose and she's like, Prue, it's time to wake up. I'm going to become you now, Prue. And I need you awake for the completion of my transformation into... Prue. Actually, you know, I think I think Prue has worn that sweater before. She has. It's actually seen in a... Wait, the sweater or the paisley pink shirt? Uh, the paisley pink shirt. Yeah, thing, it, yeah. it was. It, we did see it in a previous episode. So, okay. Abby changes into the paisley pink shirt that she presumably stole from Prue. And I just... Uh, it's, it's television, so when she changes shirts, she's wearing a bra. A lime green bra. But I'm like... Who doesn't wear a bra? <laughs> she also puts on the most hideous wig. It's like it's like a Halloween polyester wig. It's it's you know long brown hair like Prue's, but also it has like like beads in it. Yeah, yeah. She got one of Prue's hair clip things. That 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 is not a hair clip. She's got the no, not like the silver ring tube thing that Prue sometimes clips in her hair. Have we, seriously, have we, we seen we, Prue we wearing that? We have seen that? those before. Oh, okay. Well, the wig is hideous. <laughs> oh yeah, the wig is awful. And Abby's like, looking at herself in the mirror, she's like, yeah, I look great now. <laughs> and Prue's all like, hey, my life isn't that great. You, you don't have to do this. And she's like, you think I don't see you? Beautiful, beautiful Prue. Happy family. Loved by men. You don't appreciate what you have, but I do, so I'm taking it. I'm going to become you, Prue, and you're just going to be some dead lady Prue has in her basement. And uh, Prue uses her telekinesis to untie the knots behind her back, and then she... She, focus, she focuses it through her eyes, which we I thought we were done with Prue ever using telekinesis through her eyes again, but she uh, she does... Yeah, and, and we see from her point of view that all she sees are, like, fuzzy shapes, but she sees Abby clear enough to, uh... Toss her. Toss her. Okay, so this is weird now. Piper and Phoebe get to P3, and Daryl calls P3, and is like, Hey, um, I ran the fingerprints, and I figured out it is Abby, your bartender. The fingerprints belong to your bartender. And the music gets really intense, and... Piper and Phoebe get really, like, panicked, but, which, which is appropriate for what is happening in the manor right now, but they have no way of knowing that. Yeah, like, they just know that Abby at some point broke into the manor. They don't know that she's currently got Prue hostage. And they break into Abby's locker at work, which you're not supposed to do, but I guess. And, uh, yep, Turns out there's a whole little murder shrine to Prue. Like, she's been stealing all of Prue's uh, skincare stuff, and there are all these pictures of Prue. Oh, I didn't think she was stealing her skincare stuff. I thought she was just buying identical stuff. Ah. Uh. But she does have a diary that's like, 801, saw Prue go to the bank. She is beautiful. I just want to 
chop that silky hair right off her head and slurp it up like spaghetti. Yes, exactly! To, again, reference that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend episode. Yeah. Specifically the song, uh, Feeling Kinda Naughty Tonight. Yes. And that is essentially what's going on this episode. Yes. Phoebe finally gets a premonition and sees Abby shoot... Brew. And is like, oh, wait, we should probably get back to the manor now and stop that from happening. She fires a lot. Prue starts using her astral self. Can her astral self see? I mean, her astral self doesn't have stuff in the eyes. Her astral self can see. So she's bamfing her astral self all around the room so that Abby's just, you know... Firing wildly at nothing. Yeah. Uh, Would it hurt her if she got shot in her astral self? I'm pretty sure one of those bullets did go through her astral self. So no, I don't think she gets hurt in her astral... Because we know, we know her astral self has physicality. We know it can fight, but... Yeah, but I don't think she can get hurt in her astral form. Well, you think she'd just stay in the uh, closet and then have her astral self, like, run? Well, no, because if something happens to her body while she's in her astral form... Or, or you mean right now, leading Abby out. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been smart. But, uh... Yeah, no, she just gets Abby to waste a few, but not all of her bullets. And then shoots back into her body and makes a break for it. And Abby's like, how are you doing this? (laughs) And then Abby fires a bullet. It's about to hit Prue, but it's okay. Piper's there and she freezes it. And then Phoebe grabs it out of the air and Prue's like, all right, I'm just going to throw that frozen body just hard against our dish hutch because, you know, screw her. (laughs) I want new dishes. (laughs) It's the least I can get out of this situation. So Uh, uh, she's, she's upset, obviously. But Phoebe is comforting her and is like, it's okay, Prue, shake it off. And I'm like, shake it off? She should. (laughs) Also, like, Abby knows that Prue has magical powers now. Of course, she's crazy, in quotes, but like. Yeah, uh, but no one's going to believe her. Yeah, I guess. I'm just saying, would it be a cleaners thing or would it be the demon that kills people who find out about demons? I think it would be a cleaners thing. Yeah, because they handle, like, everything. The demon is just, that one demon, who I'm assuming, I'm assuming they just hired another one after the charm. Oh, yeah, the totally. Last one. But, like, yeah, so I guess there's, we don't have to worry about Abby telling people about, even if no one erases her memory or kills her or whatever. Right. So they have a new bartender now, and Prue grills her to make sure that, you know, oh, I'm engaged and I'm studying to become a marine biologist. A teacher. Yeah, and, you know, I have the perfect life. I'm just bartending for fun. So She's bartending her way through school. Yeah. So she doesn't have to, Prue doesn't have to worry about this woman. In fact, when she finds out she doesn't have to worry about her, she gives her a big tip. <laughs> she's, um, she's got red hair. She looks kind of like uh, Discount Felicia Day to me. Oh, uh, Abby was a blonde. We did not mention blonde-ish. It was light brown. I I, I didn't I wasn't uh, comfortable declaring her blonde, but yes, she she had lighter hair than the charmed ones. So Prue goes off to find her guy of the episode, Sean. Sean, who is wearing a shirt which is the same color as Abby's bra. It which is, is just it's, yeah, it's a lime green shirt. He's sitting in like the little VIP alcove that I feel like that's the alcove where the charmed ones sit to wrap things up after the show or where they put the guy who's been blown off for the whole episode i feel like sean is not the first guy who's ended up there at the end of an episode yeah so prue comes to pick him up and she's like hey i'm sorry about 
every interaction we've had on screen for this entire episode. And uh, he's like, eh, it's fine. Whatever. Who cares? Let's just run off and uh, it's a happy ending. Look, we're together now. Don't expect to see me again on the show. And Phoebe is talking to Cole, who has come into the club. And it's like, hey, so are we still good, even though my sister tried to kill you? And he's like, yes, we should be boyfriend, girlfriend. And then they start making out. Yeah. They uh, go to town on each other in the middle of the club. And speaking of going to town on each other, back at the manor, Piper and Leo are having sex. And Leo says the thing that is not the compliment he thinks it is. He says, wow, you really are good when you concentrate. God. Which is a callback to her saying that she couldn't concentrate when she thought that the elders were watching her. But still, dude, come on. So Piper's like, you know what? I've decided that I don't care that the elders are watching us bone. Hope you enjoyed the show, boys. Credits. Ugh. So this was, this was a good episode. Yeah, I enjoyed this episode. I, I liked it a lot. It was a lot of fun. So next week's episode of Charmed is Primrose Empath, which Peacock describes as... Prue is flattened by a painful flood of human emotion when a spell backfires. Ooh, and we get to talk about the power of empathy, which will be very, very important later, sadly. So, speaking of powers... Yeah, it's time to tap into our own power of three. Uh, It's time for our segments. Our first segment is Premonition. Who, if anyone uh, in this episode is, was, or will become famous later. We have a a pretty obvious one. Yeah, uh, Sean was played by Eddie Cahill, who has done many things, but is most known to you and I, Max, as Tag from Friends. Yeah. Rachel's assistant, who she absolutely should not have hired and then sexually harasses. Yeah, and she ends up, you know, forcing him to date her, and it's kind of uncomfortable in retrospect. Uh, he was also in, I think, one of the CSIs or one of the NCIS spinoffs for like seven million years because those all run forever, even though, yeah, I mean, was. I guess we're not really the target audience, but it's one of those shows where you're like, wow, that was on the air for a really long time. I would not have recognized him if he didn't have his iconic 90s, early 2000s cut. Yes. I mean, he basically has neighbor Dan hair. He does. Have, well, it's, it's a little, it's like a center part neighbor Dan, whereas neighbor Dan is like a side part. But yeah, it's the same floppiness. But yes, he is our he is our guy for this episode. He is our premonition. Uh, that'll bring us to our second power, time freeze. What if anything specifically dated this episode for you? Well, I I kind of am, I I mentioned it earlier, but the fact that the cell phone reception was so bad that they were able to believe that Abby was Prue when they talked to her on the phone. That's my time freeze. Also, obviously, not Steve Irwin. Right, yes. Like, a crocodile hunter riff was very of the time. Definitely. I think that'll take us to telekinesis. What, if anything, genuinely moved you this episode? Okay, so for me, it was um, Prue giving her sisters the sneakers. I thought that was a really sweet moment. That was a good moment. Honestly, I really wish they leaned into this more. And moved might be the wrong word for it, but I really like that Prue is becoming a more neurotic character i like that the pressures of witch life are really weighing on her now yeah that makes sense so i think that'll do it for this week Mm -hmm. our show is partially listener supported if you want to be one of our supporters you should head over to our website www.welcometotelevision.net and click on our patreon link 
We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. <laughs> <laughs>